This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It's been four days since the early release of former Chicago officer Jason Van Dyke. He was convicted of second-degree murder for killing teen Laquan McDonald back in 2014. He served just 39 months in prison, just under half of his sentence. And it has left those who called for his conviction reeling. Now, some are calling for federal charges to be brought against Van Dyke. That includes Pastor Marshall Hatch. He's the senior pastor at New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church in West Garfield Park. Pastor Hatch, welcome to Reset. Hello. Thank you, Sasha. Glad to be here. Pastor, you've had a few days now to sit with this story. How are you feeling today? Well, it's, uh, again, you know, it, it is a major punch in the gut for people in our community. Uh, I think a major setback for any kind of um, trust that people will have in the criminal justice system. And then just in the last uh, few days, you know, people are seeing uh, what happened up in Minneapolis again with Amir Locke. And uh, it just uh, sort of confirms the hunch that not much has changed. What are you hearing from from those around you, from from church members and neighbors, about the impact this has had on the community? Well, I mean, you always have the people who were, you know, kind of cynical and jaded, saying, we told you so. And then there were those of us who were parts of a protest and a movement to to, uh, at least try to bring Jason Van Dyke to justice. And to uh, see that Laquan McDonald's life was a symbol for a lot of the young men in our community who never had a chance. And uh, so there is, um, you know, just a sense of some activists of resolve, uh, but uh, among others, uh, a real sense that, you know, this is this is America, tragically, where black black life has little value. Well, as you talk about justice, Pastor, for you, does that include federal charges for Van Dyke? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the uh, federal government often had to step in. That's one of the narratives of the civil rights movement. Uh, You know, of course, you know, the whims of election, you have perhaps a sensitive uh, attorney general and Justice Department in this season. And uh, let's just face it, I mean, if we don't get civil rights charges uh, under this administration, uh, then we we certainly would not have gotten it under uh, another administration. And so it just, um, it adds to the sense that, you know, you know, perhaps the, the deck is just stacked against us. Well, not all of Laquan McDonald's relatives want to pursue federal charges. And Pastor, you told WBEZ reporter Chip Mitchell that this case is bigger than just them. What did you mean by that? Well, I mean that, you know, obviously we respect the family, but this case and who Laquan McDonald is as a symbol is larger than the uh, immediate family. Uh, When one looks again at Laquan McDonald, just the the tragic poetry of uh, when he was killed, he was a ward of the state. He wasn't under the custody of a family member. And he was also uh, killed by an officer of the state. And so, in effect, 
he was a minor uh, without a a guardian. And in that respect, you know, there's just something morally um, uh, tragic about the way that he was killed and the way that that did not matter to people initially. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's morally repugnant. And so we... Um, we feel deeply about Laquan as a person. I met young people who knew him that have been involved in our program at the church, and he was, um, you know, he was an, an average kid who had just turned 17 years old. His grandmother had passed away a year before he was killed. Mm-hmm. He was he was in mourning. He was grief struck. He was lost, and ultimately, he belonged to all of us. Well, some of Laquan's family members are with you, and they are calling for federal charges. Here's his aunt, Tanisha Hunter. She says she helped raise Laquan, and he was like a second son to her. He got to go home to his two kids, and I got to go to a grave site and talk to my little one. Like, that ain't, no, no. That three years wasn't enough for me. Have you spoken with the family? I have not. Uh, I, I know, for example, Pastor Hunter, and I'm connected with Rainbow Push, and I know some of the family members were there, and I know that there is uh, some sharp division on uh, how people feel about, in that family, how people feel about the release of Jason Van Dyke. And so um, that that just speaks for itself that, you know, not all of them agree and we certainly uh, agree with those who suggest that the uh, Department of Justice needs to step in to get justice for Laquan. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Marshall Hatch, the senior pastor at Newmount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church in the West Garfield neighborhood. Coming up in just over five minutes on the program, breaking down barriers in Chicago's craft beer scene. Stay tuned for that conversation. Pastor, you mentioned this earlier, but Van Dyke's release did happen on the backdrop of news out of Minneapolis, and that was where police shot and killed 22-year-old Amir Locke. That was during a no-knock raid last week. It was actually just a day before Van Dyke was set free, essentially. Talk to us a bit more about what's on your mind as you hear that story, the Amir Locke story. Well, for many of us, you know, this is this uh, uh, a connected, uh, this sense of uh, two sets of justice in communities of color versus the dominant society. Uh, Amir Locke was a young man who was at a cousin's house. He was licensed to carry. And we've got a significant part of the country that, you know, lives and dies by the Second Amendment right to carry. But when it comes to black people, it's like any black people, any black person with a gun, even if they have it legally, is, uh, is subject to be killed and that killing to be justified. It's not right. And so we do kind of put together the release of Jason Van Dyke, who almost had target practice on the body of Laquan McDonald, and then... Amir Locke, who is rattled from sleep and wakes up in a private residence and is killed 
without ever knowing whether or not he was a victim of a police raid or an armed invasion of criminals. I suspect he never knew who it was. And so there's two sets of rules that we have to live under versus other people. This second-class citizenship is something that we're going to continue to fight against. That other piece that you mentioned there, us, us seeing you know another young black person killed by police with a no-knock warrant, it sounds very similar to the case of Breonna Taylor in Kentucky. We've got a long way to go, Pastor, when it comes to policing of black people, but in your mind, has any progress been made? Tragically, when we look at Jason Van Dyke walking, we can say not much change has been made. And when we look at what happened to Amir Locke just a few days ago, after the Globe witnessed the murder of George Floyd in real time in the same city of Minneapolis, it just doesn't look like much has changed yet, but we have to keep on fighting. So you say that you think Van Dyke should face federal charges. What impact do you hope that that will have beyond this specific case? Well, Van Dyke needs to be held accountable. And I think that what is interesting here in Chicago, Chicago is an apparent outlier because we have had a different outcome in the case of Officer Chauvin in, Chauvin in Minneapolis and then former cops, the McMichaels down in Georgia. But here in Chicago, we probably have one of the most backward police departments in the country. I think public radios investigation found recently that we had the most self-declared so-called oath keepers on our police force. And so in this town, we have a police force that is predominantly Republican and far-right Republican in one of the bluest cities in America. There's just something wrong with that disconnect. And I think that Van Dyke's walk at the hand of a judge in a town like this, where the judges and the police are all in the same families, in many cases live in the same households, that the judicial system serves as an out for police who are guilty of these kind of crimes. And Van Dyke is a case in point. The Chicago Police Department needs to be reconstituted, and that needs to happen almost immediately. It's a culture that's not going to change on its own. And the incestuous relationship between the police and the criminal justice here system here in Chicago is probably one of the worst uh, in the country for producing just outcomes for black people. So you see, we have so far to go. Uh, the, the Van Dyke case sets us back. You recount all the issues with CPD. Does anything at all give you hope at this time, Pastor? Well, we have to keep fighting. And I, the hope that I have probably comes from uh, many of the young activists who are emerging in this town and around the country and the world uh, that in their youthfulness and their idealism, 
and their energy and their willingness to fight. There's some of us that want to continue to fight with them and encourage them. And so I get hope from watching a new generation of activists emerge that says we have the vigilance to carry this fight forward. And whether or not there are federal charges brought against Van Dyke, that the fight for justice will go on. It has to go on. It's been going on. The narrative is since 1619, for 400 years, Africans in America have been fighting these fights to try to assert our human rights. And in asserting those rights, now under the banner of Black Lives Matter, when Black Lives Matter to all of us, it means everybody's life will matter. And so the black struggle, as always, is at the heart of the justice struggle in America as a beacon for the world. That is Pastor Marshall Hatch of New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church in West Garfield Park. Pastor, thank you for talking with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.